Our time in the Word this morning is going to be found in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. I was reading this portion of Scripture this week, and I was just struck by how much it applies to the current situation that we're in during this uh, coronavirus epidemic, this crisis that we're in. And uh, I've read this passage countless times. I've preached through this passage before. But uh, this week, it struck me in a particularly profound way that, that this passage and the exhortations that the Apostle Paul has for us as Christians in this passage really apply to this situation that we're in. And so I wanted to take some time with you uh, today and maybe over the course of the next couple of weeks to uh, walk through some of these exhortations of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12 and uh, try to apply them to the situations that we find ourselves in right now in a day-to-day basis. And so I hope this is uh, both a challenge but also an encouragement to you from the Word this morning. Uh, Romans chapter 12, if you have your Bibles, I would love for you to follow along. Romans 12, verse 9 through verse 21. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father, our God, we thank you for the time that we have this morning to focus our attention on your word. I pray that uh, this time in the word would be uh, just a, a time in which your spirit would teach us and would reveal to us uh, perhaps areas of our hearts, areas of our behavior in which we need to come into conformity with your word. Uh, Father, I pray that you would use this time to strengthen and equip your people for our everyday lives, especially in the midst of this current crisis that we find ourselves in. Father, help us as your people to be salt and light in the midst of this world at this time. 
And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. The Apostle Paul begins in verse number nine by saying that love must be sincere. And uh, many of the commentators point out that Paul starts here on purpose. Paul starts with love because love is one of the fundamental, if not the fundamental Christian ethical attribute. Uh, Jesus says, here is how everyone know if you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Uh, Also, uh, we see in the book of Romans that throughout the book of Romans, this word for love that Paul uses here, agape, throughout the whole book of Romans up to this point, Agape has always been used of God toward us, of God's self-sacrificial, giving, gracious love toward us as sinners, preeminently expressed in the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ to be our redeeming, atoning, propitiating sacrifice for our sins. And so agape is a love of God to us that do not deserve it. This is the first time right here in Romans 12 verse 9 that Paul then takes this word and applies it to us as Christians in in how we should take this love of God that has been granted to us and how we should then express that self-giving gracious love toward our brothers and sisters in Christ, and also toward the world, even those who would not be regarded as followers of Christ. And so Paul calls us to love. But I want us to see in verse 9 that Paul calls us to a sincere love. Paul exhorts us as Christians to be sincere in love. He says in verse number nine, love must be sincere. Uh, Literally, the word that Paul uses here for sincerity or to be sincere is without hypocrisy, not being a hypocrite. So love must not be hypocritical. What does he mean by that? I think Paul means when he says that love must be sincere, he means at least a few things. One is that love must be genuine. Love must be genuine. And in in encouraging us to make love genuine, he is, Paul is warning us to not make love a mere pretense, uh, just an outward display of emotion that does not conform to the real nature of the God who is love and who has loved us. Uh, In the ancient world, uh, a hypocrite was basically a show actor, someone who would uh, act out on a stage And at that particular time in the Greco-Roman world, 
a person who would act would often play multiple parts, multiple roles, and the actor would use different masks to express those different roles. And so he would put a, one mask over his face when he was playing this character or expressing this emotion, and he would put a different mask over his face when he was expressing a different character or emotion. And that idea of um, putting on a, an act came to be associated with that word, hypocrite. And, and it's from that that we get our uh, use of it in which basically we're putting on a face. We're putting on a show. And so for love to be hypocritical would then mean for love to be not genuine. It would be love that's just for show purposes only, just on the exterior for the benefit of an audience. And Paul says that is not uh, what we are to be doing in our love for one another. Uh, genuine love, Paul says, is not stage actor love. It is not a mask of love. Uh, one commentator says this, the church must not turn itself into a stage. For love is not a theater. It belongs to the real world. So love is not uh, something that we can act, not something that we can pretend, and certainly not in the context of the body of Christ. John Murray says this, No vice is more reprehensible than hypocrisy. No vice is more destructive of integrity because it is the contradiction of truth. Our Lord exposed its diabolical character when he said to Judas, Betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? If love is the sum of virtue and hypocrisy the epitome of vice, what a contradiction to bring these together, dissembling or hypocritical affection. And so love and hypocrisy are the opposite extremes of one another, and they should never be found together. And so love must be sincere. It must be genuine. Jesus would often uh, criticize the Pharisees for this very thing. We find often in the Gospels where Jesus would say of the Pharisees, you're, you're basically pretending to be something on the outside, but on the inside, you're dirty. On the inside, you're a grave. You're full of dead men's bones. And so Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for their hypocrisy. And so we as the children of God need to express genuine love for one another that is true and sincere without hypocrisy. Because in our love for one another, we are seeking to model the love of God. God did not just pretend to love us. God loved us in actuality, in, in a sacrifice, in giving to us what we did not deserve. And so as we express that love to others, we are to model that true, genuine, sincere, self-sacrificial love of God. Another way in which Paul, I think, means that, that love is to be genuine is that it is to be properly motivated. Love is to be properly motivated. Love should never be something to be used for an ulterior motive. Uh, 
uh, for something for which we can get gain. Uh, The challenge is to love with pure motives without any hypocrisy or dishonesty to poison it. William Barclay says this, There must be no hypocrisy, no play acting, no ulterior motive. There is such a thing as cupboard love, which gives affection with one eye on the gain which may result. There is such a thing as a selfish love, whose aim is to get far more than it is to give. Christian love is cleansed of self. It is a pure outgoing of the heart to others. And so love expressed to others should not be with the thought of what can I get out of this? What can I gain? So love must be true, genuine. That is not just a pretend love, not something that we put out on the outside that's not true on the inside. Uh, Genuine love must not be for an ulterior motive something that is really designed for our own self-interest. Love must be others-oriented. Now, with that said, it is virtually impossible for us to have 100% pure motivation all of the time. And so we might take this then and say, well, if if I can't love 100% purely, if I can't love without any hesitation, uh, without you know any doubt of my motivations, then I shouldn't love at all. But I, I think that would be a mistake. Um, Tom Wright, in his commentary, uh, says this, We do well to remind ourselves that if we waited until we were quite sure our motives were completely pure and right, we might never actually get around to doing anything at all. So we do need to have... Uh, a genuine love, a sincere love, not a hypocritical one. We need to have love that is genuinely motivated, but at the same time, uh, we should not allow um, perhaps uh, a taint of improper love or improper motivation to keep us from demonstrating our love to other people. And, And that brings in the third concept that I think Paul means with genuine love, and that is that love is needs to be put into action. Love that is put into action. Donald Gray Barnhouse says that true love must leave the stage and walk the paths of real life. It is easy for us in a time like this And I've done this, and so uh, I'm saying this to all of us, including myself. But it's easy at a time like this, during a crisis like this, to say, hey, if I can do anything for you, just let me know. And, And I think that can be a genuine offer, but sometimes if we're not careful, it can also be just a kind of a blanket statement that we throw out there to serve as cover for not really putting forth uh, self-sacrifice or, or doing something with our hands and feet to actually put it into action. Uh, John says in 1 John 3.18, Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but 
in deed and in truth. And so love, for it to be sincere, sincere love, needs to be um, genuine, not hypocritical. Uh, It needs to be, to the best that we can, through the Spirit, properly motivated. And it also needs to be put into action, not just talk, but that which is put into action to actually help people with their real needs. And so, you know, just as an example of this, um, maybe as a way of application, uh, think about it this way, that, um, you know, say you're in the store and you're shopping and there is someone uh, behind you, you know, waiting to, to get some milk and there's only two gallons of milk left. Well, you could take both gallons of milk and you probably have a right to do that. But is that the most loving thing to do in that moment? Uh, here, here is someone who has none and you're going to be trying to stack up for the whole week or a couple of weeks. Uh, perhaps it would be a demonstration of love to take one and let the person behind you also have one. There are many, many applications of this in everyday life as Christians, but especially, particularly in this situation that we find ourselves in right now with this coronavirus, there, there are a lot of things that are in um, heavy demand right now. And while we need to provide for our families, we also need to be sensitive to the needs of others and making sure that others around us have what they need for their families as well. And so we need to be those that that put love into action. But Paul also calls on us here in verse number nine to be serious about holiness. So he calls on us to be sincere in love, but he also calls on us to be serious about holiness. One of the things that we face in our culture is the idea, uh, really false conceptions of what love is. And one of the things to remind ourselves about this passage is that Paul starts with love. Love must be sincere because it really serves as the basis. It serves as the foundation for all the rest of the exhortations that follow. And so when he tells us to be serious about holiness, that arises from a genuine love. And one of the problems that we have in our culture is we have very bad definitions of love out there. Uh, Love oftentimes in our culture is confused with lust, with sexuality. And that's not the kind of love that Paul is talking about here. Oftentimes, love can be kind of uh, looked at as kind of a sentimental feeling or an emotion. But love for Paul, biblical agape love that God shows us is not just a sentimentality. It is a love that is sincere and also a love that sincerely cares about the truth and what is right and what is wrong. And so that's why Paul says in verse number nine, that love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Hate what is evil, cling 
to what is good. So if we're going to be serious about holiness, then we need to be hating evil. And the word that Paul uses here is an incredibly strong word. It is a word that means to hate exceedingly. It is an abhorrence. Uh, As John Murray writes, our reaction to evil in all of its forms is to be that of instant abhorrence. We must hate even the garments spotted by the flesh. Jude verse 23. So, uh, true virtue, true virtue is not passive about evil, but has an instinctive revulsion against it. Evil is not tolerated, but is despised as that which is injurious and wicked. One commentator says, where there is love, evil is abhorred, not merely lamented, much less covered up, but hated. And so we, to be serious about holiness and to have a genuine love for God, as well as a genuine love for others, must not have a passive attitude towards evil, but a, a strong abhorrence, hatred toward that which God defines as evil. Robert Mount says, To love God is to regard evil with horror. Unfortunately, familiarity with a culture that is shaped by the forces of Satan has lulled too many believers into a state of general tolerance for whatever deviant behavior is in vogue at present. We are to abhor evil because it is the enemy of all that leads to Christ-likeness. And I was thinking about this verse in the context in which we're living right now. This coronavirus crisis can cause us to, to, if we're not careful, to become selfish, to, to look for opportunities to gather and to save and to collect instead of thinking about what other people might need. So this crisis puts a challenge to our love of neighbor. There are times when we may be called to help someone outside of our comfort zone that which is, you know, it demands that we put forth some effort and some sacrifice. But also, I think this time, this coronavirus crisis has created new routines, new habits, new opportunities for us to not be as careful about what, how we are using our time and what we are bringing in to our minds, whether it be through what we're watching, listening to, reading, etc. And so for some of us, especially for those of us that are out of work or for those of us that are out of school and we have a little bit more free time on our hands at home, we're spending a lot more time in front of screens, whether it be television or the internet, watching movies. And And the thing is, there are so many temptations that are out there. And if we're not careful, we will become passive about 
about evil and we will allow evil things to enter our minds through our eyes and ears that that we should not and so during this time let us not let down our guard against that which is evil we need to be serious about holiness and seriousness about holiness means a hatred for that which god defines as evil not what we define as evil but what God's word defines as evil. And so ask yourself, is this what I'm watching pleasing to God? Is this what I'm watching something that I should be watching as a Christian? Uh, Is this something that is drawing me closer to God or farther away from God? And so we need to be hating evil. But we also need to be loving good. Paul says, hate that which is evil, cling to that which is good. And that word cling is a strong word. It is a word that is used in the context of marriage, of of two people coming together in union in one flesh and being bound together in covenant as one flesh for life. And so Paul uses that strong word with regard to us and our relationship with that which is good. We are to, as far away as we possibly can, run from and shun and hate evil, but in the exact opposite way, we are to cling to and bring close and draw near to and hold tightly to that which is good. Donald Gray Barnhouse says this in his commentary. He says, if we are to be like God, we must love righteousness and hold it fast. And he says, someone might observe that this is obvious and needs no discussion, but the very presence of this command in the Bible reveals that there is a tendency in all of life to allow the good to slip away. We must hold it fast. The half world of the mediocre has many inhabitants. The dim path of compromise is well traveled. The lazy world of taking things as they are, of being satisfied with the status quo, holds great attraction for multitudes. The foggy atmosphere of half-truth obscures the landscape and causes all too many to go off the road. The old proverb that the good is enemy of the best should be supplemented by the truth that the lazy compromise with the mediocre is the enemy of the good. And so we must hate that which is evil and cling to that which is good with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. William Barclay said this, It has been said that our one security against sin lies in our being shocked by it. It was Thomas Carlyle who said that what we need is to see the infinite beauty of holiness and the infinite damnability of sin. The words Paul uses are strong. It has been said that no virtue which is not passionate is safe. No one whose life consists of a prudent avoidance of evil and a calculating adherence to that which is good is safe. We must hate evil 
and love good. With regard to one thing, we must be clear. What many people hate is not evil, but the consequences of evil. No one is really good when that goodness simply comes from fear of the consequences of being bad. That is a strong statement. Do we really hate evil with a passion? Or do we just try to calculate and stay, you know, just enough away from it? Do we really hate evil or do we just hate being found out? Do we just hate the consequences of evil? It's an important question. Do we really love the good and desire to seek, to long for, to seek after God's righteousness and his kingdom, as Jesus says in Matthew 6? Are we desiring to cling to that which is good? This time that we're living in provides us with new routines, new opportunities, new ways of using our time that can be good and bad. We can find more time for reading God's Word. We can find more time for prayer or for meditating on God's Word. We can find more time for helping other people. We can find more time for spending with our families. But we can also use that time wrongly. And we can spend more time living it selfishly. We can spend more time watching or listening to things that are not helping our souls. And so during this time that we're living in, I just wanted to exhort us, to challenge us from the words of Paul to, to during this time of difficulty, that we as Christians must devote ourselves to sincere love. And we must devote ourselves to serious holiness. This is an opportunity. Paul says in Ephesians 5 that we should redeem the time. We should make the most of every opportunity. Well, this coronavirus crisis is a unique opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to maybe reevaluate our lives and how we are using our time, to reevaluate uh, how self-centered we have become, uh, to reevaluate how closely affiliated we have become with the world and its pleasures. So. May this be a time in which we as Christians, even during a difficult time such as this, it provides us with an opportunity for, uh, for meditation and for prayer and for self-examination. And so may we, as Paul exhorts us, as the Word of God exhorts us, may we devote ourselves to loving one another sincerely and may we devote ourselves to the holiness of God, seriously, hating sin, loving that which is good. And so my prayer for us, for myself, for our church family, is that that would be our zealous desire to love good, to hate evil, and to, with genuine sincerity, love one another as God has genuinely, sincerely loved us. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father, our God, you have been abundantly good. You have done for us what we could never do for ourselves. 
You have loved us beyond measure. You have loved us sincerely and truly without hypocrisy. You've loved us not only in word, but in deed. You have loved us with the purest of motives. You have loved us uh, with genuine self-sacrifice. Father, may we follow that example that you have given to us. And through the power of the indwelling spirit, whom you have given to us at our new birth, may we seek to love one another as you have loved us. Father, you have called us in love to be holy, to be holy and blameless before you. May we seek, Father, your holiness. May we uh, pursue with all of our heart, heart, soul, and mind that which is good. And may we reflect your character and holiness in hating and despising and turning away from that which is evil. Father, may we be an encouragement and and a challenge, a help to one another in this. And Father, by your grace, may you call us closer and closer to the image of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, help us to be the light of the world that you've called us to be. Lord, bless your people. I pray that you'd watch over them and give them safety and give them health. And Father, above all, bring healing and growth and strength to their souls. We pray this all in the name of Christ. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. May you have a blessed week.